This sermon is brought to you by Shofar East London. Our passion is to equip you to become all that God has destined you to be, so that together we can live out the fullness of Christ. We hope you enjoy this message. Right, so I want to share with you about how to finish uh, life strong. And uh, so last week I also shared about, you know, many believers over time, they sort of lose their way. You know, I'm, all, I'm sure all of us know of individuals who committed their lives to Christ, and then somewhere down the line, they lost their way. They turned away from God, or they became lukewarm, and there are many reasons for that. One of the reasons is disappointment. People, you will get disappointed with with church and with Christians and with life, there will be disappointments along the way. Some people never overcome those disappointments and they turn away from God. Um, but there are other reasons also. Last week I shared about that. Last week I shared that the spirit of this world and the enticements of this world come and like hooks in our hearts. I had my fishing rod here. The enemy comes with a, with a, with a bait and the, and the hook and it gets into our hearts and it and it draws us away from the Lord. So this morning, I want to I look at it from another angle, another reason why many believers over time sort of lose their way. They get distracted. And, and, and it's not what you would think. It's often those who are extremely faithful and loyal to God to whom this happens. People who really want to honor God. They want to they obey God in everything. They want to please God in everything. But sometimes they... They, because they miss a few key components, over time the target they, the, the target is shifted and they move astray. So some of you might this morning say, "I don't know what on earth." This examples I'm going to use is going to be interesting, okay, for some of us. But I want to share a bit of my own story because this is where I started. And over the last 20 years or so, I've walked into more freedom and more liberty than ever before. So I'm going to give you some examples. But the the the, the topic or the title is true liberty. True liberty. To be truly free, what do we need to know? What do we need to, what, what context do we need to receive to be truly free? Okay, so let me just pray for us. I want to share. Father, we thank you for your word that's alive and powerful. Thank you, Lord, for your word that transforms. And we thank you, God, for every heart and mind here this morning to be wide, wide open to receive from you. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, God, we worship you and bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. In 1996, I committed my life to Christ as a student. And uh, at that time, uh, uh, Shofar, the church, um, and the leadership, they were very much anti-Christmas. Interesting. So they, you know, there's always different opinions around the origin of Christmas and and they took a stance that Christmas has pagan origins because the 25th of December was a pagan festival where the birth of the sun god was celebrated. Okay, so that's some of the background for those who don't know. Anyway, so we were taught, man, it's wrong, it's bad, and you should have nothing to do with it. And uh, man, I ran with it. Student, passionate about Jesus. I want to I honor God. I don't want to do anything. I don't want to worship another god, you know. I, I want to worship Jesus. So anyway, so I, I, I really embraced this, and um, 
And I spoke to my family about it, and I challenged them about the Christmas tree and about Christmas, and it's pagan. You, the fruit was terrible. Eh? The results, the result of my anti-Christmas stance pushed my family away from Christ and the church. Uh, some other stuff I also did that pushed them away, but I was judgmental. I was accusing. I was holier than thou. And actually, my life was a bit of a mess. I just met Jesus. I'm thankful. But that was sort of the context I was coming from. And my dad and I, we had a chat recently about it. And, and, he, and he just said, that really freaked him out. He just couldn't relate to a believer in Christ that says, I don't want to celebrate the birth of Christ. You know, so I respect there's different convictions about this. So, so obviously, each one needs to determine how they want to do this. But I want to give you context for a bit of my journey, our journey, and the freedom the liberty that we are walking in currently. And I want to share that with you. I want to invite you into it so that, you know, we can stand strong to the end. You know, Jesus came to seek and save the lost. Man, so many believers, sincere believers in Christ, who relate to those who do not know Jesus, their families and friends, in such a way that they just push them away. Counterproductive. And so I want to share a bit of wisdom with us as well today so that we can can, can, so the people can experience the fullness of Christ. Amen. Come on. So, even, so, so in terms of Christmas, you know, it, it, it possibly has a bad origin. But, but, and, and a lot of other things in our world that has bad origins. But what does it mean? If it had a bad start, does that mean that we should have nothing to do with it? If something had a bad start... Does that mean that you and I should have nothing to do with it because now we're oh, worshiping the devil you know, or something like that? Think about this for a moment. Mankind had a bad start. Do you agree? We stuffed up. <laughs> what did God do? He didn't turn his back on us and send us to hell. He made a plan to redeem us. He made a plan to redeem us sinful, messed up people. He made a plan to draw us back to him. You know, but what's happening is there's, there's different camps in the church world. And some of these camps, they, they, I think they're being tricked by the enemy. It's like the, 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 the devil takes, a, you see this uh, black water here. You see, I think the devil walks around with a black brush, black paint brush, and he paints things. And he comes over someplace and then he paints it and says, it's, it's bad, it's corrupt, it's evil. Christians have nothing to do with it. And then he goes over here and he paints again and he paints more area. And they say, ah, oh, you can't have anything to do with that. Do you know where that comes from? And do you know what that person has done? Ooh, they've got a bad past. And, do you know, and, and so the enemy's painting, painting, painting. In the end, we sit down here in the corner and we're like, oh, can't go anywhere. Everything's bad. Is that how we should live? Just stay away. It's going to make me unclean. I want to get unclean. Is, is that how we should live? Well, many Christians live like that. We live in a way where, where, where the enemy's painting us into a corner and we actually stay away from the places and the people we should be running to to see them come to Christ. So I want to share a few things that sort of explains this mindset. You see, some people are still with an Old Testament mindset instead of a New Testament, New Covenant mindset. And that causes us to be bound, and that causes us to lose, ultimately lose our way. We don't have the freedom that God wants us to have. 
Okay, so I'm going to give you a few examples and from church history as well. And uh, yeah, let's do this. Matthew 23, verse 23. So I'm going to share with you how we can lead, walk into freedom. So Jesus speaking, and he's speaking to the Pharisees, and it sort of highlights this trap. It says, what sorrow awaits you, teachers of the religious law and you Pharisees? He says, sorrow, guys, you're going to have sorrow, you're going to have pain, hypocrites. For you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your, from your herb gardens, but you ignore the more important aspects of the law. Justice, mercy, and faith. You should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important things. Come on, say important things. And he says, blind guides, you strain your water. You, you check your water so you don't accidentally swallow a gnat, a fly, but in the process you swallow a camel. So you're so focused on the nitty gritty little bits of things that you are actually, and a camel was an unclean animal, you're actually swallowing a whole camel while you don't, you don't want to swallow the little gnat. And, and, and sometimes I speak to people and I'm like, oh my soul. I can't believe you seeing things like a Christian who loves Jesus. I can't believe you seeing things like that. And then I realized I was the same. <laughs> That's my journey. I was extremely, you know, nitty gritty focused, darkness focused, focusing all the wrong things in the process, pushing people away from God. And Jesus fighting with the Pharisees because they're, the, they're the leaders, the religious leaders. Says, "Guys, you you're blind." You're missing it. You're completely missing the heart of God. You are so focused, but on the wrong things. And last week I shared, you know, if we want to overcome the spirit of the world, we need to be focused, but not focused like this. Not focused on the small little things and we miss justice. God is ultimately going to bring justice to everyone. Mercy, the love of God, and faith. What does real faith look like? I believe there's so many, there's so many believers who don't have real faith. Real faith is small devil, massive God. Do you know how many believers walk around, big devil, oh, big devil, oh, I'm seeing the devil, I'm seeing the devil, I'm seeing the devil. Well, where's God? Where's God in all of this? And this is huge because so many Christians lose their way in the process. So what does it look like? What does real faith look like? You know, that's the black water. That's, it's been corrupted. All these things have been corrupted and messed up. Yeah, so there's two extremes. The one side is liberty, and the other side is the painted into the corner, and in the process, miss the heart of God. Look at this verse, Exodus 15, verse 2. I'm going to give you examples in a moment to make it practical. The Lord is my strength. Come on, say strength. And my song. He has given me victory. Come on, say victory. What does victory look like? What does a, a, a overcoming lifestyle for a believer, what does that look like? God is wanting to give you victory. This is my God, and I will praise Him, my Father's God, and I will exalt Him. The main thing, what is the main thing that we need to focus on? We need to keep the main thing the main thing. If we want to stay on track to the end, if we want to walk in victory, if God is going to be our strength, we need to keep the main thing the main thing. So many, unfortunately, allow other things to become the main thing. What is the main thing? God, let your kingdom come. Amen. Come on, let's say, let your kingdom come. 
that's the main thing. What does it mean? It means people who do not know Jesus, that they would encounter Christ personally. Oh, which is beautiful, just hearing stories of men over the last year who were hard-hearted and, you know, in not so great space. After coming to Christ, how their hearts have turned and their families are saying, you're changed. You're a different person. We, we're hearing so many stories of people who have come to this church and encounter Christ, and then they go back to their workplaces, and now people are talking about them. Yo, it's different. Something's changed. What's changed? The kingdom has come on the inside. So that's the primary thing. The primary thing is to let the kingdom come. So we went to Frey Hospital recently, about a month ago, and one of our groups, so we break into smaller groups, and they went to hospital, and there was a young boy uh, that they prayed for. I think he had back problems or something, but it also it seems like he was what they felt demonized. In other words, he had darkness on his soul. And the, 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 the group, the three of them or four of them prayed for this boy, and they couldn't see anything change. Anyway, so they came back to our bigger group, 20, 30 of us, and we shared about all the good things that God has been doing. And in that moment, I'm like, no, man, this is unacceptable. If there's darkness on this child's soul, the kingdom must come, and he must be set free. Amen. So we prayed. I took, we took authority. Man, I felt so the power of God and the anointing of God, and there was such agreement in the group. And we say, devil, let go of this boy in Jesus' name. Anyway, we didn't know, but now we heard that that boy at that time, just after that group left and we prayed together, that boy was set free. He was set free and he was healed and he left the hospital. Amen. But the kingdom has just come compared to, oh, there's a darkness there, you know. No. Let the kingdom come. We must run to the darkness to cause the light of Christ to come. I was so encouraged. We weren't even in the same room. We were outside the hospital and said, devil, let go of this boy in Jesus' name. And I know some of us, you don't believe in it, but it's real. (laughs) It's real. It is so real. You know, but people tend to, over, over the ages, mankind, our hearts turn away from God over and over again. Then we worship the sun, then we worship the moon, then we bow before the tree and we worship the tree, and then we make images of this and that. Eh? So what's the result? The enemy comes and he paints it black, and he paints it black, and he paints it black. Okay, so what if somebody has worshipped a tree in the past? Does that mean that we're not allowed to bring a tree into our house? Because some people ask that. And then people quote a scripture in the Old Testament where it says that you shall not cut down a tree and bring it into your house. <laughs> Eek. So am I worshiping another God if I have a Christmas tree in my house? Some people feel yes. I respect that conviction. Quick question. Who made the tree? Who made the tree? Who created everything around us? God. Jesus, through Christ, everything that is was made through God. 
that scripture in the Old Testament is about worshiping idols. I do not know Christians who bow their knees before the Christmas tree and worship it. None. Huh? Have you met anybody? I haven't met any Christian. No, we're not worshiping the tree, man. We're worshiping Jesus. And he hung on a tree. He died on a tree. That's what the Bible says. So the tree, <laughs> the tree is a reminder for us of our awesome God and the price he's, he's paid for us. Now, I respect your conviction. If you don't agree, that's completely fine. But I want to redeem. You know, don't let the enemy come and paint black every little thing around us. Oh, they worship the sun. <gasps> sun is bad. Sun is bad. No, man. God made it. It reminds us of the true sun, our living God. Everything around us can remind us of our wonderful God. Don't allow the enemy to come and paint black. And the result is instead of redeeming it, we curse it. We curse it. We say, bad. What, what, about if, what if we redeem it? Uh, so years ago, when the Titanic movie came out, uh, you remember it. Who's watched the Titanic movie? Classic. Classic. <laughs> Jack, come back. So they right at the end, Jack helps the girl onto this door frame, wooden door frame thing. And he, he, he gives his life for this girl. Man, I was, I was bawling. Ah, this is so beautiful. And I wasn't crying because of Leonardo DiCaprio. Because he will not give his life for anybody. I was crying because I was seeing Jesus. I was seeing a picture of Christ giving his life for us so that we can live. Amen. I mean, you can redeem anything. <laughs> if you just look for Christ, look for, I mean, every awesome movie, gladiator movie. I mean, we know the real actor is not so awesome. But in the movie, the, the, those elements that inspire us as men to be honorable, that quality comes from the living God. Amen. I'm not going to be, oh, no, it's bad, it's bad. No. Come on, let's, let's redeem it. Let's see the black, the corrupted, the cursed, the messed up turn white, turn good. That's what God wants to do. You know, redeem it. Don't reduce it. Restore it. Don't curse it. And there's so many believers going around cursing things. Well, there's... God's judging this nation. Well, yeah, and the next uh, earthquake that happens or the next tsunami, what do people, the Christians say? Yeah, judgment. God's judging them. Tsunami, boom, cheers, you sinners, you horrible, wicked people. And you know, South Africa's blessed. Though. We don't have a lot of natural disasters. But if it was on sin levels, we were dead. I mean, tsunamis, earthquakes. We would be so messed up if it was based on the sin level in the nation. Amen. Come on, let's, let's be logical about it. But, oh, earthquake, oh, God judging. No, this, this creation is cursed. And we are called to, to release mercy. We are called to redeem. We are called to share life. We are called to love and to bless. Amen. Come on, you're going to get this. So in the Old Testament, we see this so many times, unclean, 
unclean versus clean. So, so this whole build-up into the New Testament was all about all the things that are unclean and clean. So there's a long history for the Jews of this, the clean versus unclean. There were only certain foods they were allowed to eat. Others were unclean. They, in certain rituals, like if you touched a dead person, you would be unclean. Certain people, they, they were not allowed to, to mingle with other nations because the other nations were unclean. And if they were lepers, you know, rotting flesh, terrible, those guys had to walk around and shout, unclean, unclean, and everybody would run, unclean. That was what they were focusing on, clean versus unclean. And that's where they can, and like sinners as well, like bad people, they were told to stay away, otherwise the bad sinners will defile you. Don't spend time with them. That was how the Jews were taught. I mean, you had to stone adulterers and, and, and do, I mean, just if, if a teenager, if a child would cuss his family, that child had to be put to death. Sure, a lot of teenagers would be dead today, huh? <laughs> so unclean was bad. We had to, you had to be careful of everyone and everything. And now let's look at modern history. So in the 60s, uh, rock music comes out. Ooh, church was upset there. <laughs> my grandfather, my mom told me the other day, in the 60s, he was like, those Beatles, they're so bad. <laughs> you know, it was like, and, it was, and, and obviously, yes, the culture connected to rock and roll, it was drugs, sex, rock and roll. That was so, so everyone was like, man, it's bad. Drums. Ooh. We have an idol in the house, people, right over there. And so when the drums came into churches in the 80s, they were like, oh, no, the church is now defiled. And the electric guitar, yo, bad. <laughs> Quick question, who's the origin? Who's the source of music? God, he is. He's the, he's the origin. He's the source. The enemy cannot create anything. He only corrupts and defiles and messes things up. Why not redeem it? Why not redeem culture, popular culture, and you use it as a bridge to walk into the lives and hearts of those who do not know God? Some people are like, no, only the organ, the organ, the organ, only the organ is holy. I'm like, dude, do you know when the organ was invented? 1600s, man. So what about the first 1,600 years? Is that, I mean, it doesn't make sense. But some of us want to hold on to the past. And we go, that's what holy looks like. No. There's nothing unclean by itself in this world. Amen. It's only what we make of it. So what sexuality or sexual intimacy, you know, there's a lot of people that are like, ooh, you know, especially if you look at church history and or in the past, people become so tense. And yes, in many ways it's been corrupted and when, you, when you've been molested, when it's been abused, there's so much bad things that happen through, through sex. But who's the author? God. Redeem it. Husband, wife, married. Beautiful. Of God. Glorious. Redeem it. Don't curse it. Uh, what about dancing? Oh, my word. Eee, nou gaan ons wild vandag. 
dancing. Yeah, you know, it's vertical going to horizontal, you know, it's millicates, it's trouble. <laughs> so at the 365 the other night, we had a celebration at the end, we danced a bit and, and we, uh, we did the mon- monkey. You know, this one song is a crazy song. It's, like, it's wild, it's wild. And, I, and, and someone actually wanted to be actually commented later, like, yo, that was wild. Even the pastor's going for it. And I'm like, come on. Isn't freedom that we can dance, that we can worship, that we can use, even on just enjoy life? Amen. So my wife and I, we're doing Dance December. So every day, every day in, in December, we are dancing a song. People, a secular song. Woo! Celine Dion, people. Or whatever else. But the impact on us, it's knitting us together. It's blessing my wife. This is the best month of her life. You know, but I, but I, I remember when I was young, it was like, ooh, dancing. Uh-uh. And secular, oh, secular music, uh-uh-uh-uh-uh, worshiping the devil. No, man. Unless it's satanic music, you're okay. <laughs> but anyway, you, each one needs to find out their own convictions concerning this. But Sonic, I can honestly tell you, over the last 20 years, we are living in freedom. Liberty. Not freaking out about any little thing. It's just like our God is so powerful. He is so glorious. He's so mighty. And when you just switch the lights on, the darkness flees. Amen. So look at this. Luke 19. This is Jesus and uh, the little guy Zacchaeus. And it speaks again about this, this. It breaks down. Jesus comes and he breaks down this whole unclean versus clean focus. It says, then Jesus entered... And pass through Jericho. Oh, let me let me just show you. I wanna I wanna I, I, I wanna do an experiment. This is wanna illustrate. I wanna I wanna illustrate to you the power of the Christian. It takes a little bit of time, but this is what God has called us to do: to take the darkness and to make it light. Look 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 look. Pouring it in. Come on, baby. It takes time. You need to be patient and pray and worship. You need to keep your eyes on Jesus. You've invited that person to a church five times and they still say no. I'm coming for you. Jesus loves you. And I know you want to know Jesus. You just don't know it yet. But it's going to happen. Let it continue. So Jesus enters Jericho and says, verse 2, Now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector. That's like chief sinner. Chief mafia man. Like tax collector, like mafia. He was the chief mafia guy in the town. And he was rich. He was rich because he exploited everybody else and stole. And uh, he was a corrupt man. Verse 3, And he sought to see who Jesus was, but could not because of the crowd, for he was of short stature. So he ran ahead, climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must stay at your house. So Jesus walking down, I'm sure the Holy Spirit whispers in his heart and he say, and says to him, Zacchaeus, the guy in the tree, Zacchaeus. There's some light that needs to shine there. 
So Jesus says, for today I must stay at your house. So he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. But when they saw it, they all complained, saying, he has gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner. Shocking. I mean, at that time, the guys were like, curse you, you vile sinner, you. Stay away. The religious leaders were like, holier than thou. So like, we stay away. And then it's like, oh, he actually went to his house. And that house is like a den of iniquity. And he walks in there. The rabbi, holy rabbi, walks into the den of iniquity. Can you imagine that? Shocking, Jesus. How could you? They all complained he's going to be a guest with a man who is a sinner. Are you seeing it? Unclean, stay away. Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Lord, look, Lord. Now, Messina, something happened there. A miracle happened there in Zacchaeus' life. And now he's not saying about something of the past. He's saying of something that is coming or what he's going to be doing. So then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, look, Lord. I give, or I will give half of my goods to the poor. And if I've taken anything, anything from anyone by false accusation, accusation, I restore fourfold. And Jesus said to him, today, come on, say today. Salvation has come to this house because he also is a son of Abraham. Isn't that beautiful? The sinner has been turned into a saint. Now that should give you a bit of hope, people. For all of us, with all of our past, with all of our challenges, it gives us confidence because when we meet Jesus, he starts to turn us clean. It's still working. It's still working. Eh, Just a bit of patience and prayer, and then it goes clean. But God wants to wash us clean. He wants to use you and me to go around, and wherever the enemy has come to paint black, redeem it. Wash it clean. Whether it be people, whether it be objects, whether it be the Christmas tree. I'm like, man, my, that tree. Woo-hoo, Jesus made it. Blessed God. Thank you. Reminds us of who you are. Amen. Romans 14, verse 14. I know and am convinced by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing. Come on, say nothing. Nothing unclean of itself. This is the word of God. It says nothing unclean of itself. But to him who considers anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. So if your conscience says to you, man, I just can't believe that this can be clean, so no. Then you need to go with your conscience. You need to do what your conscience says. But that is not freedom. That is not the liberty that God wants to give to you. So how are you and I responding to the darkness? Are we cursing it? Or are we redeeming it? Are we running away from it? Or are we bringing life to it? That is the key. So I loved what uh, Martin did with his uh, 30th birthday party this weekend. And Sheena and some others were also there. So he invited all his uh, old friends. And it was a wild night. A lot of stuff happening in terms of alcohol and other stuff as well, it seems. But the brother was drinking his Energate. For the night, showing them, guys, no, I'm not gonna, not gonna doing, not doing my old way again. Sheena, you were drinking water. <laughs> water, come on. 
So they say, no, we're going to reach out to our, to our friends, but we're not going to go the same way. We're not going to live as they live. And again, guys, to drink a glass of wine or something is not a sin. It's when you drink too much, it causes chaos. Okay? So also the wine bottle. Evil! Evil! No, man. Now, Jesus will just freak you out. Wedding turns water into wine. Jesus. Didn't you read the Bible? <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> you see, but again, it's like, oh, it's unclean. No, it's how you relate to it and how you use it. And if you are using too much, stop it. Because it's messing up your life. Spoke to someone in this last two weeks. Marriage is destroyed because of too much alcohol and then the verbal assault that follows. So, to, to, so you need to be wise. Don't be silly. The same thing with money. Oh, money's bad. Oh, what? The good Christian people must be poor because then you are holy. Nonsense. It's the love of money that is the root of all kinds of evil. It's how you relate to it. Money itself is neutral. Is you going to use it for the glory of God? Or are you going to use it to do evil? You must decide. Amen. Is it making sense? I'm trying to give you an example so you can understand where I'm coming from. Okay, I'm going to finish in a moment. Luke 9, verses 53. And this is when it comes to the judgment focus. There's a whole lot of Christians. And I was there, people. Oh, my soul. I was in this thing, and the fruit was so bad. When I was young in the Lord and young in ministry, I also fell for this thing. Some Christians make it their ministry to go around judging others. Well, that ministry is of the devil. And, oh, that ministry is of the devil. And they build their ministry around whoever else is bad. And then they go around also just prophesying, well, God's going to curse this nation and curse. Really? Is that what the Christian is called to do? Look at this. This is Jesus. Luke 9.53. It says, but they did not receive him. Jesus preached in Samaria. And, um, and they did not receive him. Because his face was set for the journey to Jerusalem. And when his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them? Like Elijah did. Woo, Elijah did that? Yes, he did. <laughs> he, he, he called down fire and it consumed people. And then a bear and killed young teenagers and things. Lord, should we do the same? Because how dare these miserable, wicked sinners reject Jesus? Surely they must die. Uh, no. <laughs> let's, let's listen to what Jesus says. But he turned and rebuked them and said, You do not know what manner of spirit you are of. You do not know the spirit that is within you. You do not know the Spirit of God that rests upon your soul. You have no idea. For the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And they went to another village. <laughs> do, do, do. <laughs> but isn't that so powerful? It's like, Jesus, guys, you're missing it. You see, what happens is, you know, especially when we come out of our old lifestyle, maybe you drank too much and you messed around and you had a terrible lifestyle. Now you're living in this wonderful, pure life. What happens so easily? We look back at the others 
And we look down upon them. And we judge them. And we think, oh, you shockers, look at me. Look at me. So wonderful. It's pride. Because you forget who's the one who saved you. You forget who's the one who drew you by his love. None of us saved ourselves. We are saved by the grace of God. It's an absolute miracle that I know Jesus today. Absolute miracle. In the same way for you, if you know Christ today, it is the grace of God that has drawn you to him and has helped you to change your life. And when I came to Christ, I was so, I was so depressed because I was like looking at all these holy people. I'm like, ooh, they're too holy. I can't be like this. I cuss every sentence. I'm not going to do that now. But about a year in, a year in after coming to Christ, I rolled my father's four by four at 130 kilometers per hour, three times, on the N1 near Tiger Valley in Cape Town. Rolled it three times. You know, all that came out, the car turned 90 degrees in the, in the I lost control and turned 90 degrees and then we rolled. You know, all that came out was in that moment of silence was, oh, I didn't cuss. I knew I was saved. That moment, I knew my heart has been renewed because in that moment, that life came out, not, not anything else. And so Jesus is telling the guys, guys, you have no idea the spirit that rests upon you. You have no idea the love that has drawn you and that same love that wants to draw others. But if we are judgmental and if we look at the darkness and we like cuss it instead of redeeming it, we're going to push people away from Christ. Are we walking in freedom? Are we walking in liberty? Are we walking in the fullness of what God has called us to? So last scripture, 1 Corinthians 8, verse 4 to 7. And this is in the context of offering food to idols. So there were a lot of idols in that era, false gods, and they would sacrifice meat and things, and then people would eat it. They'd offer it to the gods, and then they would eat it, okay? Type of thing that still happens today. It says, so... So now Paul is speaking about this. He says, so what about eating meat that has been offered to idols? Because they felt like, man, if I eat the meat that's offered to the idol, I'm going to be defiled. He says, well, we all know that an idol is not really a god. And that there is only one god. There may be so-called gods both in heaven and on earth. And some people actually worship many gods and many lords. But for us, there is just one. For us, there's just one god. There is no other. The Father by whom all things were created. Come on, say created. And for whom we live all things. This is our daddy's world. And we are his children and we are here to redeem it back to him. Now, that's very good news. Compared to, oh, we are in enemy territory and we don't know how we're going to survive. For whom we live and there is one Lord. Come on, say one Lord. Jesus Christ, through whom all things were created. And through whom we live. We live through Christ. However... Not all believers know this. Some are accustomed to thinking of idols as being real. There are no other gods. These little demons. So when they eat food that has been offered to idols, they think of it as the worship of real gods, and their weak consciences are violated. And I just felt this week the Lord say to me, it's all mine. It's all gods. Everything is gods. Live with that boldness. You know, this, uh, I mean, what does it look like? What does New Testament mindset look like? Old Testament, the leper touches you, <laughs> or you touch the leper, you become unclean. New Testament, Jesus on the scene, the leper touches him, the leper gets clean. <laughs> Isn't that beautiful? Old Testament, dead body, uh, 
touch their body, you unclean. New Testament, Jesus, um, we touch the dead and they come to life. <laughs> this is a massive shift from the Old Testament to the New. The New Covenant is that God lives on the inside of us and we are called to redeem everything. Amen. Let's not be afraid to be unclean. Let's release life. It's like, you know, when uh, sometimes when Sonic and I, we stay somewhere, a hotel or a bed and breakfast or, or whatever. Now you're lying in that bed and you're wondering, what has happened in this bed? Uh, you all think that. I know you do. <laughs> so now, hey, now you can think, oh, I'm going to get defiled here, man. There have been sinful activities in this bed. Well, that's Old Testament. New Testament is, do you know who's lying in this bed now? The presence of God is in this place. The next people are going to be super blessed that are sleeping in this bed. Amen. Come on, give Jesus a hand for that. Massive shift, Old Testament to New Testament. New Testament is freedom. Let's redeem our world. Let's restore our world and not curse it. Amen. And then this beautiful last verse. This is the end of the story. This is the good news. We are finishing strong. Why? Because God is finishing strong. Look at this. Revelation 21 verse 5. Then he says, Then he who sat on the throne, I don't know if it's there, he said, Behold, I make all things new. Behold, I make all things new. All things. I make it new. And he said to me, Right, for these words are true and faithful. Amen. Praise God. So I want to encourage you to recalibrate your heart, your mind. Let's redeem our world. Let's call no man, no woman unclean. Thank you for listening to this message. Find more on Shofar East London's podcast channel. Let's do life together.